Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This time for the Business Week ended 23rd April 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This week, possible new life for Techfidera, activist investors and GSK, a new mRNA vaccine in Europe, diversity in clinical trials, and a look at last year's drug launches. The loss of Biogen's blockbuster multiple sclerosis pill, Tecfidera, to generics in the US was a big blow to the company in 2020. But in an unexpected development, Biogen has been issued new patents, raising questions about whether there could be a renewed commercial opportunity for the brand. Blocking generics from the market nearly a year after they launched would certainly be unusual, and it's unclear if Biogen will proceed with filing new patent infringement lawsuits. It's not unprecedented, however, for generics launched at risk, which is before a final legal ruling, to be withdrawn from the market following a subsequent court ruling. Jessica Merrill writes that in one instance, Allegan was ordered to stop selling generic versions of Endo's Aparna ER four years after launching the generics due to patent infringement. Endo had already stopped producing the crash-resistant painkiller but continued to pursue patent infringement because the generic hurt uptake of a newer crash-resistant product. Biogen declined to comment on the next steps on the intellectual property front. Private attorneys not associated with the company said it certainly appears that the company could have grounds to file for patent infringement, presenting some new risk to generics. It's certainly an unusual situation. Brand companies are often continually getting new patents, but generally all of that happens within the context of the original patent case, said patent attorney Chad Landmon, a partner at Axin, Veltrop and Harkrider. It is unique to have the patent issue after generics have gone to market already, he said. In a week when a key oncology asset suffered a development setback and its vaccine's R&D chief jumped ship, the news that activist hedge fund Elliott Management has taken a sizeable stake in GlaxoSmithKline has set tongues wagging over the future direction of the UK giant. New York-based Elliott, which has around $42 billion in assets under management, and is run by billionaire Paul Singer, has built a multi-billion pound stake, according to the UK's Financial Times. Neither the fund nor the big pharma company have commented that Elliott has a reputation for building significant positions in companies and pushing aggressively for change. Most recently, it put pressure on management at Alexian Pharmaceuticals last May, writing a letter that called for the sale of the company, after the purchase of Portola Pharmaceuticals for about $1.4 billion in cash to get hold of the factor 10A inhibitor reversal drug Andexa left investors nonplussed. Alexion is currently in the process of being acquired by AstraZeneca for $39 billion. The arrival of Elliott to GSK, which has seen its market capitalisation shrink to around £69 billion from £80 billion in 2017, when Emma Wormsley took over as CEO, is intriguing. Wormsley has been extremely active in directing the rebuilding of the firm's oncology portfolio, but those attempts have had limited success. Kevin Grogan writes that GSK recently announced it will discontinue two Phase 2 trials evaluating its investigational inducible T-cell co-stimulatory agonist felidilimab for head and neck cancer. In March, the company's high hopes for Bintrafusp Alpha, its high-profile Merck KGAA-partnered oncology asset, 
failed a mid-stage study for biliary tract cancer. This was just a couple of months after GSK and Merck discontinued a phase 3 head-to-head trial with Merck & Co's Keytruda as a first-line treatment for non-small cell lung cancer. GSK's attempts to help tackle the COVID-19 pandemic have also been stuttering. In December, GSK and Sanofi said their vaccine candidate showed a disappointingly low immune response in a phase 1-2 trial, although the company's VIA biotechnology-partnered investigational dual-action monoclonal antibody VIR7831 for the early treatments of COVID-19 has progressed well and is under review in the US and EU. CureVac could be the next company to gain approval for a COVID-19 vaccine based on mRNA technology, with its pivotal trial expected to read out by the end of June or earlier. Its Phase 2b-3 Herald trial is now fully enrolled, and the company must now await the occurrence of 50 cases of COVID-19 before the study is unblinded and the results analysed. But while fellow mRNA pioneers Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna both prioritised an emergency use authorisation from the US FDA, the German company looks certain to submit its application to the European Medicines Agency first. That is partly to do with the fact that when it was looking to launch a pivotal trial for the vaccine in the fall of 2020, the US Operation Warp Speed programme already had five vaccines in its programme and therefore CureVac believed that the market would be well served. Andrew McConaughey reports that another factor behind the EU-first approach is the controversy which blew up around the company, headquartered in Tübingen in southwest Germany, just over a year ago, when then-President Trump was alleged to have suggested the US might acquire it. CureVac's management denied the media reports, but amid fears of escalating vaccine nationalism from the US, the European Commission swiftly provided the company with 80 million euros, which is about 97 million dollars, in financing to scale up development and production of the vaccine against the coronavirus in Europe. Then just a few months later, in June 2020, Germany's government invested 300 million euros in CureVac in exchange for a 23% stake in the company. If the Herald results prove ready to file, the EMA will be primed to review it rapidly. The agency's CHMP started a rolling review of the vaccine CVNCOV in early February, which will allow a faster evaluation of the core clinical data. An EU authorization could come potentially as early as June, but the exact timings depend on the readout of the trial and the EMA's review. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted a number of deficiencies within the US healthcare system, chief among them a vast gulf of inequality between different ethnic groups and geographic areas, which has resulted in the virus causing significant disease and death among black, Latino and Native American communities. A consequence of that inequality is that the populations enrolled into clinical trials have historically often not properly reflected the ethnic makeup of the country. Alaric Diamond writes that the pandemic has drawn significant attention to the issue of clinical trial diversity, and as a result several drug makers have sought to address the problem as they develop vaccines and therapeutics to combat COVID-19. Some, like Moderna and Pfizer, have made particularly well-publicised efforts to include diverse populations in their studies. Meanwhile, industry organisations like Pharma and Bio 
have increased their efforts on the issue in the past year, including farmers' clinical trial diversity principles and the bioequality agenda. Race and equality issues also took the stage at the bio annual meeting, prompted by the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020, and the issue has remained high profile. Looking outside company walls, the biggest way industry plays a part is in clinical trial enrolment, and the pandemic's disproportionate effects on minority communities have brought an unprecedented degree of focus on inclusion in clinical research. An analysis published in the Journal of the American Medical Association on 19th February looked at 230 pre-pandemic vaccine trials in the US that took place from July 2011 to June 2020. It found that white participants accounted for 78% of all the nearly 220,000 participants, while black people, Latinos and Native American, Alaska Natives were all underrepresented. Conversely, adult women were overrepresented at 56%, while Asians and Pacific Islanders were equitably represented. The number of novel products launched in their first markets in 2020 hit record heights in spite of, and in part buoyed by, the pandemic, with an exceptional year for infectious diseases, therapeutics and vaccines. Rapidly developed and approved vaccines and treatments for COVID-19 helped swell the number of novel products introduced on their first markets during 2020 to a record 83. More novel drugs and vaccines made their debuts last year than in any other, way ahead of the previous record of 68 in 2018, and this comes from new research from Sightline's drug database, Pharma Projects. Of those debuts, eight were for COVID-19 indications, as 2020 proved a superlative year for novel anti-infectives. But despite the flurry of activity to tackle the pandemic, 2020 was a less good year for novelty. Only 16 of the new products are deemed to be first-in-class, a higher number than the 14 first-in-class products launched in 2019, but a smaller proportion of the whole, 20.3% compared with 28.6% in 2019. The sightline research focuses exclusively on new active substances, new chemical or biological entities where the active ingredient has received no prior approval for human use, and it excludes the 92 new drug launches last year with reformulated or non-NAS moieties or biosimilars. In 2019, the tally fell to 49, held back in part by a lack of novel vaccines. Stripping out the vaccines and looking at the five-year averages shows how much the industry has improved since the start of the century. The mean number of NAS launches for the latest five years, which is 2016 to 2020, was 53, which compares favourably with the 2011 to 2015 mean of 42, and is pretty much double the means seen in the early part of the century. While the pandemic did not seem to have any impact on the numbers of new drugs reaching the market, other data show that to a large extent companies had difficulties in making decent commercial inroads, in the face of reduced patient visits to doctors and the need for virtual and hybrid drug launches. The article has multiple infographics and tables, so do please take a look at the full article for all the data. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and sign in to receive all these stories in full and very much more digital content. Links to all the articles mentioned here are also provided in the article accompanying this podcast. Bye for now.